0: Let's read 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. John jumps right into the deep end. I need to tell you, we encountered God. This is really important because before we can understand the church's mission, we have to understand God's mission. For the church's mission is derived from and indeed the very propagation of God's mission. So, what I'd like to do is instead of me telling you in my own words what the mission of God is, I have sifted through the entire letter of 1 John and extracted his words, God's very word, so that we can hear from him what God's mission is. Listen closely. What was from the beginning, the eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. The Father has sent the Son to be Savior of the world. God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we believe and walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another forever. And our joy will be made complete. Now, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. This is the word of the Lord. That's the word of life, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's also the mission of God, to reconcile and restore all things corrupted by sin back to himself, but especially his people, the apple of his eye among all his creation, And he's coming back to consummate his mission with final judgment and full cosmic renewal. Amen? Come, Lord Jesus. So, what John is saying is that the word of life, the gospel, is a message that has been embodied in a person, Jesus Christ. We heard him, we saw him, we looked at him, gazed upon him, touched him. All sensory functions employed to testify to the validity of their encounter with the true and historical Jesus of Nazareth, Lord and Savior of the world. Notice, we, 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 I am not alone in this. There's many of us who have experienced him firsthand. And herein we begin to see the transition from the mission of God to the mission of the church. We testify and proclaim to you. You, referring to the next generation and subsequent generations of those who would hear the word of God and receive the gospel of God, leading up to us hearing him today. The mission of God has been accomplished through the person and work of Jesus Christ and is being applied through his spirit and the the proclamation of the gospel throughout the world. John showed us this link in his gospel. Remember John chapter 17, where he records Jesus' prayer to God the Father, saying, Father, I have accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Now, as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. Then at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20, Jesus appears to the disciples in his resurrected state and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you, and he breathes the Holy Spirit on them to empower them for mission. You will be my witnesses throughout the earth. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Here, John is carrying out the mission given to him by our Lord Jesus, and what we'll see is two vital aspects of the church's mission that are of highest priority to John. The first is abundantly clear. The church's mission includes witness, witness. Look at verse 2, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. Jesus came. We encountered him. Now we must testify and proclaim to you. This is really important. Note how he testifies about and proclaims Christ. I hope by now we see that, we see the connections between the life and the eternal life spoken of here, referring only to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus makes it very clear twice in John's gospel, John 11 and John 14, where he says very explicitly, I am the life. So John here is testifying and proclaiming these two actions of evangelism or witnessing Work hand in hand, and yet they are distinct. When John witnesses, and this goes for us as well, he's saying, There are two realms of authority in which I witness to you. I testify, I share personal testimony of my experience, or our experience, if that be the case. Family, this carries authority. This is so important. No one can dispute your experience. I was living for myself in utter darkness, and boom, I met the living God. Jesus Christ, and now I live in the light as He is in the light. My boys at home, family, friends, those who knew me all my life up to age 27, they might reject the message of the gospel, but they cannot reject that I was a thieving, drug-addicted criminal who loved all things dark. And now, I'm a pastor at a church overseeing the well-being of others. What? You can't refute that. That's just what is that 's just what happened. I encountered God in Jesus Christ, and have never been the same since. Remember that family, your personal testimony it 's powerful it 's irrefutable now, the second realm of authority in which John witnesses here is proclamation. He testifies and he proclaims. What does he proclaim? The good news of Jesus Christ. And what's the authority behind the proclamation of the gospel? Jesus' commission to the church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he said. All authority. Now go. Preach the gospel to all people among all nations. Make disciples. Multiply churches. I am with you. So, the first vital aspect of the church's mission, as we see from John's response to their encounter with Christ, is witness. They encounter Christ and they respond by telling and testifying. About Jesus. Keep something in mind here, very important. John will labor throughout the rest of his letter to show how the church is characterized by life and light and love. Because God is light and life and love. So, this aspect of witness is holistic. It includes the proclamation of the gospel in word as a priority and demonstration of the gospel in deed, as a necessity. Our witness includes our identity, who we are. We are a loving people filled with light and life. People may reject the message of the gospel, but they should love being around us. Kids, that includes you. As you enjoy your time growing up and getting to know Jesus more and more with other kids, either here at church or at school, whether in kids clubs, in in your groups, or in VBS or weekly events, be sure that you're sharing with others what you're learning about Christ. Be sure to to share how Jesus is answering your prayers, how he's at work in your life, in your family's life, how good he is to you. Now, let's look at another aspect of the church's mission. Look at verse 3. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. As we just saw, now we see again. The revelation of God in Christ Jesus comes to a few for the sake of many. The gospel comes to us to be spread through us to you and you and you. Now look back at the text. So that, let's just stop for a second. A purpose statement is coming. It's important to note that whenever you see, in order that, so that, that, what follows is usually a purpose for or result of what precedes it. And this is big. Look at verse 3. The gospel came to us, we shared it with you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our, follow- our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting. Why doesn't John say, so that you'll have salvation? He says, so that you'll have fellowship with us and God. I believe that what John is insinuating is that salvation, in its widest sense, is fellowship. Reconciliation with God. Fellowship with God and one another. That's what eternal life is. Jesus says so in his prayer in John 17. He says, This is eternal life. That they might know you. That they might know us forever. And God doesn't merely save individuals. God, through the death of His Son, has purchased a community. An everlasting fellowship. His church. An indissoluble fellowship that is forever characterized by worship. Worship. Worshiping together in loving harmony the one true God and Savior. Remember Preacher Harding's message from John 4? Jesus said, For such worshipers God seeks. He longs for more and more worshipers in loving fellowship to himself and one another. That's Jesus' inheritance. That's the reward of his work. People from all nations, of all tribes, and all tongues, of all times, worshiping him forever. And not only does God long for more worshipers, so does John. John longs for more worshipers of God. John longs to make Christ known, to make disciples, to multiply the fellowship. John longs to keep building and building up Jesus' church. Why? What's driving him? Look at verse 4. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Joy is what drives John. From joy for joy. From joy since the moment of his first encounter with Christ, for joy that abounds on mission for Christ. John knows that the more he makes Christ known, the more disciples will be made, the more the fellowship grows, the greater the worship, the greater the joy. Now, Sadly, this drive of John's is foreign to many Christians. It would seem as if too many professing believers view evangelism and discipleship as merely a duty instead of a delight. A responsibility that we know we have to do, but just don't feel the drive to prioritize. Well, do you know God? Do you know the way, the truth, and the life? Have you believed and received Jesus? Are you filled with eternal life? If not, then come to Jesus. Listen, he says. I stand at the door and knock. He who hears my voice and lets me in, I will come in and we will feast. Joy will overflow because I am the fountain of life. The choice is yours. Will you let him in? And embrace him unto eternal joy? Or will you refuse? Will you keep him out? For whatever your personal reasons. Unto eternal grief and despair. You know, I love this passage in 1 John. Why? Because it's so sincere. This whole letter is sincere. It shows so much of the Apostle John's heart. John knows of the direct link between mission and joy. He's just demonstrating the same heart and words of Jesus. In John 17, as we referenced earlier, Jesus prays, As you sent me into the world, so I send them. Then he prays for the saints, and then a few verses later he says, I say these things so that they will have my joy complete in them. John and the apostles have that joy. And we see it demonstrated in his drive for the true fellowship and increasing joy of the church. In a sense, you can hear John standing outside at the door with Jesus and the rest of the saints urging to open up. Hey, man, it's John. Yeah, I'm with him. Look, man, you want to open this door. Listen to me. He is who he says he is. This is real, bro, I'm telling you. I know it's lonely in there. I know you're not satisfied. I know you're running out of food and water. He is real, man. I wouldn't be here if he wasn't. He really cares for you. I care for you. I want to see you well, man. I want to see you fulfilled. I want to see you at peace, bro. We're here for you. We're all here for you. We got stories for you, man. Stories upon stories of how good he really is. Just open up. Let him in. Taste and see for yourself what we mean. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus because you really cared about their joy? That they would share in the same joy that you have in Christ? For John, That's what it's all about. The goal of the church's mission is joyous fellowship. Everlasting joyous fellowship with God and his church. Now, a word of warning. The crisis being experienced in the local churches that John is writing to involves other fellowships forming and surfacing, luring church members away from the one true fellowship of God. And we likewise today have many, many fellowships calling for our attention And allegiance. Republican fellowships, join us. True Christians show allegiance to Trump. Democrat fellowships, join us. True Christians oppose Trump. There's independent. Fellowships, libertarian fellowships, black fellowships, white fellowships, brown fellowships, all claiming allegiance to the same Lord and Savior, and far too many standing in direct opposition to one another. There's conspiracy fellowships. Come, we spend all day speculating and speculating. It's wonderful and thrilling. Didn't Jesus say we should be looking for signs? Maybe you can make some connections too. We use the Bible in our group. And of course, this year, there's La Résistance. Oh, you haven't heard of La Résistance? Well, then maybe you've heard an appeal like this. Come, join us. We're the true, fearless Christians. We resist any and all limitations imposed on us that might hinder the fullness of our freedoms. Whether inside or outside the church, we're doing our own things. After all, we are the church, right? I'm partially joking and dead serious. I'm dead serious because this is real and it is now. And these fellowships can be lethal. Be careful, church. Satan prowls around, even taking the form of light at times, seeking to divide, devour, and destroy the church's mission. Oh, family, guard yourselves from idols. Family, we need to hear and feel John's burden in his letters. He makes it clear that we should Avoid any breaks in fellowship, but if such a rupture happens, say if a global pandemic were to break out, or if true political, religious persecution were to come upon us, like in many countries of the world, including our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, then John counsels us, stay connected to the united body In close fellowship, sharing the same common purpose in worship and witness, based on the word of truth, in obedience to God, under biblical leadership, whose whose allegiance is to King Jesus alone, loving one another, caring for one another, persevering together through hardship in the church. Stay as close as possible to your church fellowship. And in so doing, you will remain in pure, undisrupted fellowship with God in unshakable joy. That's the message of 1 John. In the true fellowship of God is where you will find life and light and love because God is there. Let's be diligent and especially discerning in the word to stay committed to God and one another, family. The goal of the church's mission is joyous fellowship, everlasting fellowship with God and his people. And the essence of the church's mission is very simply loving God and loving others, worship and witness in all that we say and do. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, true, merciful, patient, loving. Lord, we need your word to. Keep our hearts and our minds oriented heavenward. Help us be locked in on that which is true and pure and worthy to be praised, O God. Keep us united in the one true fellowship of God that we would experience the true joy that Christ purchased for us on the cross. Fill us up, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Send us out into the world on mission for your great name's sake. And the world's sake we pray in Jesus' name, amen.